Hello, everybody, and welcome to our second episode of Hi, My Name is Life podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Hamilton. We made it to episode two. Woo! Episode one did pretty good. This week, we're continuing the story of my life pertaining to the accident that I had back in 2015. The first episode, if you haven't listened already, go back and give it a give it a listen. I talked about pretty much the accident that uh, I sustained back in 2015. I was hit head on by an SUV while out training on my bike. Today, we're going to be talking about more of my recovery and rehabilitation after, you know, obviously getting out of the hospital and the process of relearning and also getting my brain back to kind of a functioning state. Best way I can describe that. So in this episode, there's definitely, definitely want to warn people that there might be triggers or there probably is going to be triggers pertaining to uh, mental health, suicidal thoughts, and suicide. So I want to be upfront with that. Let's dive into what the rehab process is for my particular brain injury that I sustained. So yeah, let's talk about the recovery. It's not an easy road to recovery. Obviously, for me, the physical aspect of rehab from this injury was act surprisingly quick. Obviously, I was already in incredible shape at that time. You know, I was racing bikes, you know, cycling for a great period of time where I was constantly training for century rides, which are 100-mile bike rides. And then, obviously, in the year 2015 was my first amateur professional season for road cycling racing. So I was in, in pretty darn good shape at that time. But they were still fairly shocked with how quickly I bounced back physically. So the physical side of the rehab was the relearning of kind of like walking. You know, when I say relearning to walk, you know, is pretty much that a lot of the relearning and the work done with the walking aspect is mostly surrounding around balance and your equilibrium, because obviously with a brain injury, your orientation within the world is off or broken or just like non-existent. And it was non-existent for me. So, you know, just standing up, I would just fall over. So a lot of the work was trying to relearn how to focus on a point. Because, you know, if you do anything that any exercises that require balance, everybody's going to say, you know, find something to look at and focus on that. And then that will kind of help you keep your balance because you're concentrating on a specific non-moving spot. So a lot of the rehab work with that is kind of retraining my brain of reorienting itself and recentering and finding that kind of center in the equilibrium. So you're not just like, as soon as you, know, as soon as you stand up, the world isn't just like complete chaos, which, you know, Every time that I attempted to stand, like the world around me would just be like an earthquake, you know, where you see like in those office buildings of like a real massive earthquake where everything is just waving and swinging about and everything like that. And there was also, you know, a lot of just like exercises that we did of recalibrating my equilibrium. I really don't, I 
I don't remember the specific process, unfortunately, and I should have looked it up before the podcast to see if I could find any specific information. But there are kind of like, not necessarily a procedure per se, but there's definitely like a process that you can go through to recalibrate your equilibrium so you can kind of regain your balance and be able to do what you need to do. So we kind of started on that of it's a lot of from if I remember correctly, it's a lot of just like overall head movement that is part of the process to recalibrate that. And, you know, after that of going through that process, we finally, you know, constantly working on that as on top of standing up and then laying back down, you know, just the process of just like, okay, obviously you can't walk until you stand up. So a lot of the exercises was just standing up. And then of course I would pretty much fall right back down. So it was a lot of just assisted standing and, you know, after day after day of doing the same, these exercises over and over and over again, you know, I eventually got to the point where I can stand up and I can still kind of focus on something. So I'm like, great. All right, Aaron, you can stand up now. That's step one. After that, let's try walking. And that failed miserably. (laughs) I was just like, what the hell? (laughs) Just like stand up. All right, let's take a step and grabbing the bars and everybody's coming to grab me. (laughs) You know, because, you know, when you start walking, you know, they kind of roll you over, you stand up and then you kind of go into the parallel, what do they call them? The parallel bars, like in gymnastics and stuff like that. So you can assist, you know, assist yourself with kind of moving around. So a lot of work on that was basic, you know, as well as like rebuilding strength in the legs you know, eventually we got that, which then upgraded to, all right, now we need to continue working on your balance. So it was a lot of standing on those half, half sphere exercise, you know, exercise balance ball things. So a lot of, you know, the next step after that was, you know, standing on that and trying to keeping the balance on there. And then you just keep growing on that Um, And then obviously you graduate to actual kind of more your standard like body weight type exercises and stuff like that. And, you know, got to the point of getting on like an exercise bike. And um, again, you know, the physical aspect of the rehab was, uh, was very quick. Thankfully. So yeah, that was just kind of like, you know, the basic stuff that you would normally do with any type, you know, if you break your leg or any type of leg injury or any type of like leg surgery or anything like that, you have to go through the process of, you know, regaining that strength in that leg and, you know, working yourself up back to being able to just like walk normally. So eventually got to the point where I could walk normally. So now we kind of go into the cognitive side of the rehab, which that aspect was the hardest and had the biggest impact to my mental health. I'm also working with, you know, neurologists and a lot of doctors to kind of figure out the right combination of medication to help kind of like focus so I can do the cognitive rehabilitation. Because During this period, when I was not on medication or anything like that, the best way I could describe of what was going on in my brain was that it was just a thunderstorm going on 
where it was just like constant lightning, lightning and thunder just like in my brain. And the neurons would take the longest path to the destination of where they needed to go to do whatever it needed to do. Um, so that's like the best way I can describe what like I was experiencing in my brain. But I digress again, as I normally do. Uh, so cognitive recovery. During this process was a lot of just like what people with a normal functioning brain would just be common tasks that you normally do. I would say a lot of the exercises that I was doing would be classified as preschool slash elementary level cognitive teaching. So it was a lot of like match colors, match uh, symbols, you know, here's a bunch of things that are scrambling, scrambled around and having to put things in order and, you know, the alphabet and figuring that out and relearning that this is the type of things that you would kind of get involved in. And then obviously those exercises get, uh, more advanced. And <laughs> when I say more advanced, that's like going from preschool to <laughs> elementary school. We went from putting round peg into round hole instead of round peg into squared hole to, here's a deck of playing cards, separate them by color. <laughs> that's kind of like, that's the adv advancing to more difficult tasks. And this is when, this is when my mental health really, really took a hit. And this was probably the hardest part because obviously you are, you know, I was a person in my mid thirties at the time going into rehab and doing so like, the one exercise that I remember the most that would really trigger my depression and stuff a lot was working with a therapist and going back to those playing cards. You know, she would give me a deck of playing cards and she like, and she will tell me, I want you to sort the cards by suit. And I would literally just be sitting there staring at these cards and not understanding what she was wanting me to do. And I would constantly be like, what do you want? What do you want me to do? Cause I would forget it like immediately. So I would just literally just be kind of like sitting there and stare at these cards. And then I would just like start getting incredibly frustrated, you know, and then she would continue to be like, I want you to sort the cards by suit. And I would literally just sit there and then I would just start crying because I, I'm literally sitting in front of her just like, bawling my eyes out and just like crying uncontrollably because I didn't know how to do it. Obviously, you know, you can imagine being asked to do a simple task of just like sorting a deck of playing cards, how that could really impact you from a mental health perspective. It makes it very difficult. And, you know, that's when I would start getting massively depressed because, you know, I would, I would leave rehab and then go home to, you know, now my ex-wife, then my wife. And, you know, cause she would be there with me during all of this and just like, just crying, just constantly saying, I can't even do a task an elementary school student would be able to do. 
And that's when kind of the depression hit. So, you know, obviously, because that was the most difficult, that was the exercise that we would concentrate the most. And it got to the point where, okay, she would say, I want you to sort this deck by suit. And I would just kind of sit there not really understanding what I would do. But I got eventually got to the point where I'm like, I would start sorting the playing cards by color. God, it was so frustrating. I would literally be, she's like, sort it by suit. I would start sorting the deck by color because I was seeing the colors instead. So red, black, red, black, red, black. And she would just be like, no, that's not what, that's not what the exercise is. And every time she would ask me, I would just sort it by color. (laughs) And uh, I remember one time she was like, okay, I want you to sort it by color. And then my brain will be like, all right, I'm going to start sorting it by suit. I don't know why. That's just my brain, but whatever. So that was that's kind of like an example of uh, one exercise that we were doing a lot. You know, obviously other exercises pertain to reflexes. So, you know, sitting in front of a computer and, you know, shapes would light up and then disappear and then I would either have to select which shape showed up or where on the screen it would show up. So it would kind of like go back and forth. So, you know, there was some of that. And then there were other exercises pertaining to like the alphabet of putting letters in the order of the alphabet where they would kind of just like scatter the letters. You know, they were on cards, scatter them across this like Velcro like bored and just like spread them around and then, you know, finding the letter and then putting the letters in the proper order. Obviously, that's really hard. Even to this day, I still have issues with out of sequence things. Like if something comes at me that's out of sequence and I'm supposed to put it in sequence, like I still have that problem. So, you know, it was tasks like that. And as we were working with those, you know, we obviously started to get back into like more normal life activities. So, you know, at the clinic, they had kind of like a makeshift kitchen that they had, where a lot of exercises pertain to just like being able to do kitchen, because obviously my memory was non-existent, I wouldn't be able to remember things. So it was a lot of like retraining the brain of like, all right, we put this pot on the stove. And, you know, then the therapist would give me other tasks to work on. And then telling me, did you forget, you know, and then she would be like, did you forget something? And for the longest time, I'd be like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm perfectly fine. She's like, you left the boiling water on the stove. So that's kind of what is involved in that aspect. There's a much larger type of cognitive evaluation exam that is done, but that happens, you know, obviously at a later date. So Those are kind of the exercises that are involved with rehab from a traumatic brain injury to kind of like get your understanding of how you kind of like rebuild your cognitive side of the brain. Um, So touch. So we'll kind of leave that topic there and kind of talk about uh, the mental health side of things that were triggered because of these things and also kind of like the medication side of things. So talking about the medication side of the recovery, we're learning you know, we're learning so much more. And back in 2015, this was kind of just like more of the approach to medication was more of like kind of an experimental thing where they're like, okay, well, we've done this with like some concussion people or some like football players. 
and we've seen some ben- you know we've seen some benefits coming out of it but we just don't have enough of the historical data or information to be like this is the proper way you know to medicate people with uh, brain injuries or head injuries and stuff like that so uh, one thing that they've kind of noticed and obviously that was back then today it's a lot more common. So back then, you know, we were like, we see this data of giving Ritalin or Adderall was traditionally used for ADD, ADHD to help those patients focus and not just be completely just like scattered and all over the place. Because that's kind of like the same behavior with brain injury and then not being able to concentrate on a specific task, which was one of the biggest problems with doing the rehab and doing these exercises was because it was so difficult to concentrate and so difficult to focus. So they noticed, you know, because obviously these symptoms are very similar to people suffering with ADD and ADHD. So they're like, all right, you know, these are similar. So what would happen if we give people suffering from traumatic brain injuries and Ritalin or Adderall as hopefully a way for them to be able to focus. So they're like, all right, so we're going to try giving you some, you know, they put me on Ritalin at the beginning and it was, yeah, it was amazing. It helped so much. And I was kind of frustrated and kind of mad that it took them so many months to be like, oh, hey, let's give this a try. You know, once I started to get that medicated dose of Ritalin, it was night and day. So how I described it before of like kind of a lightning storm in my head and, you know, neurons taking the longest path. Once I started Ritalin, it was just like my brain was just clear skies. You know, the neurons were, you know, taking the fastest path to where they need to go. It was literally from lightning storms to clear skies, night and day. I it just like literally blew my mind. And from that day forward, working on the cognitive rehab side of things drastically got easier to work on. It was still very challenging and still very hard. And, you know, even though I'm, you know, I'm on Adderall now, uh, you know, I still have those issues of simple cognitive things, but it allowed me to focus on those tasks where before I would just kind of like not be able to focus and just kind of like drift off into space. So obviously I ran into a situation with the Ritalin, you know, Ritalin and Adderall is basically legalized speed. And the side effects of this is, you know, it increases, it dramatically increases your heart rate. And while I was on Ritalin, so like my normal resting heart rate is usually around 70 beats per minute. When I was on Ritalin, my resting heart rate was 100. Uh, So that was obviously a problem, you know, and then, you know, we went to the doctor and be like, you know, we need something else because my resting heart rate is 100. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's really bad. We don't want your heart to explode. I'm like, yeah, uh, I wouldn't, I don't really want it to explode either. So then they moved me on to Adderall, which doesn't have that side effect of an increased heart rate is not as bad. So I went from a resting heart rate of 100 on Ritalin to a resting heart rate of about at the beginning, while my body was still getting used to it, resting heart rate was around 85 to 90 on the Adderall. And then obviously 
the longer that I was on that medication, you know, I finally got to the point where, you know, I could get my resting heart rate down to close to normal. Yeah, getting on those medications helped dramatically. And then during this time, sleeping was impossible. Uh, the best way I can describe it when trying to go to bed before I got medication, my brain would just constantly be yelling at me. And then I would finally get to the point of just like utter exhaustion and finally kind of like doze off for maybe an hour and then wide awake with my brain just like yelling at me. So obviously for that aspect, we started looking at sleeping medication. Obviously I had concerns with a lot of the sleeping medications because some of them are really bad and have really bad side effects. But my doctors were worried about that as well. And also kind of like the addiction aspect of it. And there's a, a sleeping medication called Trazodone, which doesn't have that addictive nature to it. And the side effects are not as bad as your run of the mill, hardcore sleeping medication. So you know, in order for me to go to sleep, I need like about 250 milligrams of trazodone to get to sleep. And I can actually have a good, healthy amount of sleep now. And I still have the problem even today. Like the issue with like sleeping, I'm going to have for the rest of my life. Same with like what the Adderall is helping with. I'm going to have that for the rest of my life. These problems are, are I'm stuck with these problems. Now we kind of get into kind of the scary situation. So like, when I was previously talking about, you know, going through severe depression because I wasn't able to do these basic tasks, obviously because of that, you know, they, my doctors were concerned with my depression and mental health that we needed to start looking at antidepressants. So they put me on a, an antidepressant, citralopam, I believe is what it's called. They put me on that and within like the next day, I tried to kill myself. I was very fortunate that my wife at the time was home, but I was in the bedroom with a box knife cutting my wrist open. I had no idea what I was doing. I was, it's, it's, it's really scary. Cause like, I don't remember, like my brain was just on autopilot. I wasn't thinking, I wasn't, you know, trying to kill myself because of the depression. Like I was just a puppet at that time. I had no control. This was just happening. My uh, ex-wife came into the room and was just like immediately walked up and just like slapped the box knife out of my hand and obviously went to the emergency room. It just blows my mind that we have a drug that's supposed to solve your depression and make you not, you know, make it easier to not be suicidal or suicidal thoughts. And, you know, a lot of these antidepressants the main majority of them, their main side effect is suicide. And it just blows my mind that this medication that's supposed to help depression has a, one of the main side effects of making it worse and pushing you to kill yourself. That's broken. So obviously they took me off of that medication. Then they're like, all right, so we're going to switch you to a different classification of antidepressant. And so they put me on amitriptyline. And within a couple of days, my ex-wife would just find me just standing in the corner of our walk-in closet for no particular reason. I'm, it's just, I'm just standing there. 
I don't know why I was standing there. And then I attempted to kill myself again on that. So I went off cold turkey on that, and obviously that solved the problem. But I was still massively depressed and still had suicidal thoughts, but I didn't have medication forcing me to act on it. We went back to my doctors, and you know we both kind of came to the conclusion of, we're not going to try any more antidepressants on you. We've given you two, and you've almost killed yourself on both of them. So he was like, we're not even going to explore any other antidepressants going forward. So... We decided to try, it's kind of used for depression, but it's not an antidepressant. It's designed to help control mood, you know, help level that out. You know, obviously uh, the peaks and valleys is what you don't want. You want more of rolling hills with regards to mental health and just like overall mood and emotions. So the drug that they put me on was, I think it's called Lamotigine, Lamotigine? Something like that. And that actually has helped quite a bit of kind of leveling me out. You know, obviously it's not the be all end all for my issues with mental health, but it definitely helped a lot. So that's kind of like the approach that we kind of took for the medication side of the recovery and rehab process. So you kind of like tie all of that together, help make the rehabilitation process a lot more successful than it would have been if I wasn't on medication. And still, keep in mind, you know, this is back in 2015 where we really didn't have any of the knowledge. So like a lot of the stuff that I was going through over these this five-year period of recovery definitely felt like I was kind of the guinea pig of a lot of just like therapies, medications, you know, process, trial and error of just like, how do we deal with a brain injury? That's what it really felt like. Going back now, when I talk to people that have sustained brain injuries, you know, relatively recently, you know, when they're saying like what their recovery and stuff like specifically with medications and stuff was like, this is the kind of medications that is our go-to for this type of thing. Whereas they're like, with me, they're like, well, you show you show the symptoms of an ADD, ADHD patient. So how about we give you the drugs that we give them and see what happens? You know, hearing that from me, I'm like, dang, man aren't you lucky? I had to like almost kill myself multiple times to just to find out what the fuck works or not. But I'm also incredibly happy with the progress that's being made where these people don't have to go through this trial and error process that I had to go through and they just kind of like prescribe it and they're confident that what they're prescribing will actually work and it works. Majority of the time, people suffering from concussions, brain injuries, TBIs, whatever, have shown incredible improvement on ADD and ADHD medication. I'm a prime example of that. So, you know, it gives me hope seeing that the progress from like 2015 to now, people know more than they did five years ago. And that's a bonus. So now I'll kind of get into the more end game of rehab and recovery. So the end game would be taking a, a cognitive evaluation exam. So it's a six hour long examination where you're in a room with a professional, you know, obviously a professional therapist that is specifically trained for this cognitive evaluation exam. And the, a lot of the exercises that 
the cognitive exercises that I was doing in rehab. It was a lot of like memory-based math, pattern recognition, drawing, doing, you know, doing some uh, exercises on the computer. It was a lot of memory things. It was, <laughs> it's cognitive stuff and it's a six hour long examination. So I took that exam. I only was able to do an hour. So, you know, after that, we meet with, uh, I think it was a psychologist afterwards that, you know, obviously goes through the results and makes the overall report. And from the exercises that I was able to do, I'm literally sitting there and he's telling me, you scored so low, I can't even write a report. And, you know, that was the first blow that he gave me. And then the second punch to the gut, he's like, you pretty much had the cognitive ability of a middle school student. That was a tough pill to swallow. But the silver lining out of it gave the proof that social security disability and my long-term disability to back off. That evaluation got them to back off and be like, okay, we're not going to need to circle back around your case for probably, you know, four to six years, you know, and obviously that's kind of the end game. That cognitive evaluation is kind of the end game. And the results that you get from that pretty much dictate how things are going to go going forward. Obviously, I've done this uh, evaluation again and, you know, I lasted longer than an hour. So that's good. You know, I lasted a, I lasted a little bit longer. So that's kind of shows improvement. But I still scored so low in the cognitive exercises that he still wasn't able to write a report. So that aspect, you know, I was able to last longer, but, you know, the end result didn't change. So I know this episode is probably a lot to digest and there's like there's a lot of detail and information to compact, but it's a lot that goes on with the recovery. So I'm like trying to squish, you know, multiple years worth of rehab and recovery into like an hour or an hour or less. So I apologize if it's like a lot of dense information and stuff like that. But I really wanted to share, you know, because I've never in all the places that I've shared my story, I never was able to talk about the recovery and rehab uh, and medication aspect of recovery, which is great. And hopefully you all got something out of it. There is light at the end of the tunnel. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, and I ran into a lot of points where I wanted to take the easy way out. I wanted to quit so many times, but I'm very thankful that I had incredible people around me in my life at that time that continued to push me and encourage me and not allow me to quit or not allow me to take the easy way out. So many people are just like, it's so hard right now but it's going to get easier because when you're in that, when you're in the thick of it, of constantly failing, you're just like, all you can focus on is this is what I'm going to be like for the rest of my life. And there's no fixing it when, you know, it's not true. Anyways, that's going to about do it for this week's episode. Feel free to send in your questions or comments about any of the things or topics that we discussed to podcast at HiMyNameIsAaron.com. Aaron is E-R-I-N. You can download my podcast where all podcasts are found. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And until next week, I'll talk to you all later. Thank you. Bye-bye.